0: So this morning, we're going to talk about one of the most commonly believed lies in the world This lie is taught to us fed to us through Magazines and through the internet and through radio and through television And it's a lie that we are all tempted to believe And Jesus says that this lie is extremely Dangerous. So what is this lie? Jesus tells us in Luke 12, 13 through 21. So let's turn there in our Bibles. And we're going to dig into this passage, take it one section at a time. And, and to open up this first section, I want us to raise this question. What is this dangerous lie that we're all tempted to believe? What is it? What is it? So let's start with verses 13 and 14 to see what's going on Jesus has been teaching large crowds around him We saw last week and look at what happens in verse 13 Someone in the crowd said to him teacher tell my They are they would be divided and they would sell and then move into different places other times the inheritance would be kept together and my both brothers would live on the same family plot, just separate houses, whatever. So nothing wrong with the request. But, but Jesus says, I, "I'm not called to deal with fi- family financial issues like that. That's not my role." And then Jesus takes this question, though, and turns it into a teaching opportunity for the whole crowd. And look at what he says in verse 15. And he said to them, "Take care and be on your guard." against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions now notice that in that verse we have a command and then we have a a reason for that command the command is there's two of them take care and be on guard take care and be on guard against all covetousness And the fact that Jesus uses that language, take care, be on guard, shows that this is something very dangerous here. Covetousness is extremely dangerous. Think about it like this. Let's say that you went camping uh, in a campground and you're relaxing and, and enjoying yourself. But then somebody walks into the campground and says, just want to let you know that a few hours before a man-eating mountain lion was walking through this campground. So just want you to be able to be cautious about that. Now, that, that would change things for you, right? You'd move from relaxing and enjoying yourself to taking care and being on your guard because there's something extremely dangerous there, this man-eating mountain lion. And that's how we should feel about covetousness. So what is covetousness? Well, Jesus tells us in the last half of verse 15. He says, we should guard ourselves against covetousness because life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. So covetousness means believing that life is found in possessions. And having that desire and buying things for that reason, covetousness means believing that life is found in our possessions. So we're all looking for life. You know, when you tell somebody, get a life, We're looking for life. We're looking for joy. We're looking for meaning. We're looking for purpose. We are all on the hunt for life and the lie of covetousness is that the life you're looking for the joy and the meaning and the pleasure you're looking for is found in possessions. It's believing that a bigger television is what's going to cheer me up. That's what I need. That a new watch will make me feel special that a new video game will stir up some passion in my bored life or a faster computer will really zing up give me excitement whatever it might be so and and if we're honest every single one of us has believed that lie have we not I was thinking back like when I was eight or nine years old I remember to my embarrassment walking home from school and I would just be daydreaming if I had lots of money think about the camera that I could buy. I was into photography. I was was thinking I could buy this one and it would have this shutter speed and it would have like wide angle lenses and macro lenses and telephoto lenses and and a big f-stop and and I would walk home from school daydreaming about this camera if I had a lot of money that I would buy. Now, why would I daydream about that? Well, it's because I thought that if I had a camera like that, then I'd have the excitement in my life I was looking for and the joy that I was seeking for and the, the pleasure that I so longed for and we've all believed that lie haven't we that life is found in our possessions and so we've all wasted money on possessions that we were hoping would bring us life and and they didn't now put granted possessions do bring us some increased joy temporarily right let's just grant that They all do that, Um, but no possession will ever fill your heart, now or in any kind of a lasting way. Right? We've all lived long enough to figure that out, haven't we? Okay? After a while, the new clothes just become clothes. All right? Don't have anything to wear. It's there. Okay, it's old. The new phone, so exciting, is just a phone. The new car uh, not so exciting driving it anymore just get me from a to b now if you and with all the, all the newness you're left just as empty as you were before knew this knew that just as empty as you were before now if you doubt that how do i put this if you, if you don't if you aren't so sure that there's no possession that will satisfy you let me share with you two Stories of men who had so much money they could buy almost anything they wanted and here's what they said Let's start with Jim Carrey movie star. Here's what he said. I Think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer Wow and he had all the money he could possibly use It's not the answer. Tom Brady, sorry, these are all kind of U.S. examples, but the American football star, he said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings, New England Patriots quarterback, okay, three Super Bowl rings, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, I reached my goal, my dream, my life, but there's got to be more than this. Amazing. If anyone could say life is found in the abundance of possessions, it's these guys. And they've been there, and they come back saying, There's nothing there. Didn't do it. They've experienced exactly what Jesus is saying in this passage life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. But if we believe that life is found, In the abundance of our possessions then that's covetousness and that's believing a lie and Jesus goes on now in this passage to give us one of the reasons why it's a lie there's lots of reasons found all through the scripture but but he gives us one here a very powerful reason in the parable of the rich fool so why is covetousness a lie verse 16 Start there And he told them a parable So again, he's still teaching to this crowd He told them a parable saying The land of a rich man produced plentifully So imagine that you were this man You've got a farm And usually produces every year You know, maybe a little more than a year or two's worth of food Potatoes and corn and peas and lettuce and tomatoes And right, a year or two's worth of of food every year But this year, wow this year like there were no bugs and the sun was just perfect and the temperature was exactly right and the rain uh timing was exactly what you needed and this year you your land produced many years of food bumper crop incredible harvest but that presents a problem to him verse 17 and he thought to himself what shall i do for i have nowhere to store my crops he's used to storing a little more than a year's supply of crops. Now he's got many, many years. What's he going to do? Verse 18, he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. So tear down the old barns, build new, much bigger barns, store all this food in these bigger barns. And why does he do this? Look at verse 19. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. He's thinking he's finally achieved what life is all about. He can now relax, he can eat, he can drink, he can be merry. He'll have no cares. He's finally going to experience what life is all about. He's experiencing what he's been looking for. He's there, living the dream. There it is. Now, let's translate this into modern terms. I thought this might help us because you may not be thrilled thinking of sitting there with all this food in your barn. Anyway, so let's put this in modern terms. Let's say that you bought Apple stock when it was worth nothing, basically, and now you've got 50 million dirhams worth. Okay? All the money you could ever use. Now, many of you would think if that happened, you would be set. I mean, you are all set. Like, you can buy your private island, you can just kick it back on the beach. No more financial worries. You're finally going to experience what life is all about. You're, you're finally living the dream. Many of us might think that that's what would happen. But is that what would happen? Would you be living the dream? Jesus says no. And he gives one reason in the next verse. Look at what happens to the farmer. Verse 20. But God said to him, fool. This night your soul is required of you and The things you have prepared whose will they be? So God comes to this man and says he's, he's been a fool Because that night he's going to die and his life on earth will be over so then What good will his? Crops all his crops what joy what pleasure will his crops bring him then no, no joy, no pleasure. What benefit will all those possessions be to him then? No benefits. Zero benefit. All the possessions he had will be of absolutely no benefit for him. And that would be true of, of you as well with your beach on your private island. It will do nothing for you. And then in verse 21, Jesus summarizes the point of the parable. So is the one Who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So, in this parable, Jesus gives us one reason why covetousness is a lie. Covetousness believes that life is found in possessions, the abundance of your possessions. But one reason covetousness is a lie is because we will all die, and after we die, our possessions will be of no more benefit to us. They'll no longer bring us any any joy or any pleasure. Now, for most of us, we tend to think of life just like this life here on earth. We don't tend to think about the future. We don't tend to think about eternity, but we need to think about eternity to understand this parable. So think about your life here on earth compared with life forever hereafter. Let's say that you live 80, 90, 100 years And let's say that's about a meter's worth of living, okay? Like one meter, okay, 80, 90, 100 years. So then how long is eternity compared to that? So your life here, one meter. Okay, because the Bible says when we die, we don't just stop living. We will go on living forever. We will either live forever in in heaven or in hell, depending on whether or not we've trusted Jesus. So let's try to get a grasp on how long is eternity. Okay, so your life here is one meter. Is eternity like maybe goes goes back to the back row, you know? No, you got to keep going farther than that. Maybe out to the out to the street? No, you got got to keep going. Maybe to Dubai? Uh, keep going. Okay, to the moon? Keep going to the, to the sun to to the farthermost outside galaxies. So your life here compared to how far that would be out to those galaxies? Well you're getting actually not really getting close because that's just not even scratching the very beginning of the surface of what eternity might possibly just start even beginning to look like do you feel that I mean you've just like not even started yet so understand you will live consciously forever forever your life will never stop I mean you will die physically And then you will live forever. That's what Jesus wants us to be wrapping our our minds around here. And one reason covetousness is a lie, one reason our life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions is because we will all die. And after we die, our possessions will be of no benefit. Our possessions only last for that meter. And after that, they mean nothing forever. But that's not all that Jesus says. I'm I'm so glad. He tells us there's an alternative to that. Okay, what does life consist in? That's what I want to know. So what is the alternative to seeking life in our possessions? Where can we find life, the joy and the meaning and the pleasure that we're all hungry for? read verse 21 again so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God so the alternative to seeking life in our possessions is being rich toward God now what does that mean what would that look like tangibly practically in our in our lives And Jesus gives us an example in verses 33 and 34, right in the next section. Now, Aaron's going to be preaching on that passage next week, okay? But I just want to look at it briefly just so we can get a feel of what does it mean to be rich toward God so we can start to apply this passage. Look at verses 33 and 34. These are stunning verses. Verse 33, Jesus says, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old With a treasure in the heavens that does not fail Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys For where your treasure is there will your heart be also Okay, let's get practical here. Let's say somebody in your home group Loses their job They've been sending money back to their home country to take care of their family and, and they've lost their job and, and, and they've been struggling along and now they are out of money and they have no food for groceries this week. Somebody in your home group. And you're trusting Jesus. You've turned from your sin. Your, your trust is in Jesus Christ. And you know that because Jesus died on the cross, you know what that means. All your sins are forgiven. just like we sang about earlier. All your past sins, present sins, future sins, all of your sins are forgiven, which means you will never face God's judgment. It's heaven for you forever, knowing God's love and favor and goodness for eternity. Not only that, you know that because of the cross, God has given you the gift of the Holy Spirit, which we also sang about earlier. And the Holy Spirit makes the presence of Jesus so real in your life that you are strengthened, that you are comforted, that you are filled, that you are full of joy. Not only that, because Jesus died on the cross, all of God's promises are true for you, which means, among other things, that God has promised He will take care of all of your financial needs the rest of your life. It doesn't mean you'll be rich, but you'll have everything that you need. And so, you know, because of the cross, I'm forgiven. My heart is filled with the presence of Jesus all of my financial needs are going to be met And so because of all that you know is true because of Jesus and for Jesus you say I want to give my home group friend Grocery money, and so you gladly give take your money your hard-earned Durhams, and you you give your friend grocery money here take this for Jesus sake take this eat this week And Jesus says That when you do that something amazing happens Not just that your friend has grocery money, which is a beautiful thing, but something else happens You provide yourself with money bags Money bags that do not grow old You provide yourself with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail no thief approaches, no moth destroys. Now, what is that treasure in the heavens? It's, it's the joy of knowing God's glory in Jesus. The joy of being in his presence. I mean, you've, because you're trusting Jesus, you've had times where you've tasted the very presence of Jesus Christ, and there is no joy, love, pleasure It comes close to matching what it means to know Jesus Christ. That's the treasure. The treasure is not streets of gold or big mansions. The treasure is Jesus Christ. You get him. And everyone who's saved will have heart-filling joy in Jesus forever because of the cross, because you're trusting in Jesus Christ. But what Jesus is saying here is that when for his sake you give money to someone else, your treasure in heaven is increasing. Your joy that you'll have in Jesus forever increases. So you pull out your wallet and you give the person in your home group some money and your treasure in heaven was like here and it goes, Deep! it goes up. And then it goes up and then it goes up. More joy in Jesus forever. So what life consists in is being rich toward God which means using your money to pile up treasure in heaven. Okay, think about it like this. Here you are in this life, okay, and you have your assets here that you've worked, God has provided for you. Okay, here you are in this life with with your assets here. And, And after you die, there's going to be eternity. Okay? And by giving to your home group Member in Jesus name now what's just happened is you've just taken your money and you've you've turned it into treasure in heaven It's just been transferred to become more treasure in heaven. It's moved from this life into the life to come So that when you die there is something for that money forever for you because it's more joy in Jesus forever You just like hit the hit the transfer button to ADCB Bank boom just got transferred treasures in heaven See how that works? That's what you can do with your money. So, why waste our hard earned money on possessions that are going to be worthless when we die when we can use that to gain more treasure in heaven, more joy in Jesus forever? See the power of this? I mean, this is amazing to start to wrap your mind around, it's astonishing. Every Durham you have in your account can increase your joy in Jesus forever. Now, what does that look like practically? How do we go about doing that? I want to get tangible here so that we can, there's there's lots of ways, and God will lead all of us in different ways to do this, but let me just give you some thoughts just so you'll start to see kind of how, how we've tried to live this out over the years and see if this makes sense to you. How do we go about doing that? I mean, one obvious way is by giving to God's work, giving to missionaries, giving to the church. Okay, that's obvious. But I want to mention it because it is, it is important. I mean, the, the more that you are able to give to Grace Church, the more staff we can bring on, the more churches we can plant, the more the gospel can advance. And Grace Church, you all give so generously and sacrificially. We praise God for that. But, but that's real. That's, that's a part of this. Also, giving to missionaries. Because the more we can give to missionaries, the more laborers are going to be sent into unreached areas taking the gospel to people who otherwise would never hear the good news. So the more people are going to be saved, the more glory is going to come to Jesus Christ. So giving to God's work is a crucial part of this. But it's not the only part of this. Let me give you a couple other ways this can happen. Like buying groceries for your family. Now, let me explain how this works. If the purpose that you have in in leading your family is because you want want to raise up a little army of you and your wife, your husband, and your kids and to advance the gospel here in Abu Dhabi, in your neighborhood, your workplace, school, right? This is our purpose for being here. We got the job, that's important, but, but really, kingdom work, okay? We're advancing the gospel here. If that's your purpose for... Having your family then when you go to buy groceries you're, you're like going to, to feed the little army that you're raising up there and so you're saying jesus for your sake oh thank you i've got this money thank you that i can buy this food strengthen my family through this give us health through this give us energy to advance the gospel through this and as that money is feeding your family for jesus sake i believe it's piling up treasure in heaven your joy in jesus forever has just increased now if you're just buying groceries like Caviar and Chateaubriand steak, you know, and just because, just because, you know, I like to eat good food. Well, then it's this all stays here, and it's it's gone when you die. But but if there's a God word sense, a Jesus word sense, Lord, for the sake of your kingdom, to feed me, feed my wife, feed my children, so we can advance the gospel, Lord. Use this food now to strengthen us with this treasures in heaven. Does that make sense? Let me give you another example. Taking your family on vacation, okay? Now you're not doing this so that you can impress your boss with the amazing vacation you took your family on, or impress all of your friends, or or because because you, you think this family's what's going to totally satisfy me and fill me. It won't, okay? Unless Jesus is in the center of it, no matter where it is, right? If He's there, you'll be good. But if your purpose in raising your children is you, you want them to come to know Jesus. You want them to love Jesus. And so you want to have a, just a good family vacation time to bond together, to laugh together, to play together, to talk together, just to be together. Oh, Lord, so that my, my kids can see more of Jesus, and, and I can love them and show your love to them. Oh, Lord. So, yeah, you, you spend the money on the vacation. And, and if that's your heart, if that's your purpose, then that gets transferred into treasures in heaven, more joy in Jesus forever. Does that make sense? so I'm going to impress this person, I'm going to impress this person with my vacation, well then it doesn't. It just dies here. One more example. Buying a car for your family. Right? I mean, you need a car to get to work, take your kids to school, right? We want to see people saved at the school, to uh, meet a friend at Starbucks to share the gospel with him to, go to come to church, go to home group, whatever it might be. So as you, for Jesus' sake, say, Lord, what, what car should I buy here so we can advance the gospel? Um, I don't want to waste my hard-earned money guide us lead us we want to advance the gospel as you as that's your heart And you buy that car you've just transferred money into your treasures in heaven But now I do want us to be careful we've got to be careful at this point, and here's why there is such pressure on us to buy nicer and fancier and faster right all kinds of pressure along those lines. Oh, good. Pastor said I could go out and buy a new car, hun. you know. Um, think this through with me. Let's say that you have the money to afford a Bentley. All right. Million Durham starting price up from there. Should you do that? Well, let's just think about it. So, Bentley would be a car. I mean, it, it would accomplish maybe about this much kingdom advancement, right? Take me to work, take our kids to school, meet a friend, share the gospel at Starbucks, okay? About this much kingdom advancement for a, a million durham. All right. So you, you, you think about that. I can get a million, I mean, I can get this much kingdom advancement for buying a Bentley for a million durham. But now, I could also get that exact same amount of kingdom advancement, spend about 50000 for a Honda, right? Am I close? Somewhere in there. And that would leave over 950,000 more Durham for more kingdom advancement, more treasure in heaven, more joy in Jesus forever. So you, you do the math. Just do, go ahead, make a spreadsheet, okay? Kingdom advancement, price, amount of kingdom advancement per Durham spent, and you figure out what's the smartest investment. Listen, don't waste your hard-earned money. You want to get all the kingdom advancements out of every Durham that you've got for joy in Jesus Christ forever. Y'all look like you're in shock a little bit. Does that make sense? Okay, this is, Jesus says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven forever. That will fill you with joy forever and it'll fill you with joy now. So here's, here's some just closing encouragements, church. Then I want us to move into communion. We want to meet the Lord Jesus in this. See the lie of covetousness. See it. There's no earthly possession you can buy that will fill and satisfy your heart. Nothing out there. Don't waste your money buying stuff for that reason. But you can use your money... To do something that will satisfy your heart now and forever and that's for jesus sake using it to advance the kingdom in all the different ways i've described And there's many many more that as you pray and as you think god will lead you to pursue so for example let's say you're a single person right and you're, you're here you're, you've got your job and you want to advance the gospel the money that you spend if that's your purpose the money that you spend for groceries to give you energy, for rent to give you shelter, for clothes to keep you clothed, as your heart is Godward for advancing the gospel, that money will be treasure in heaven. It will increase your joy in Jesus forever. Also, as you are a family person, if you're a family person and you want to be raising your children to love and trust Jesus and to be a family where you're advancing the gospel together, If that's your purpose, then the money you spend providing them with food and shelter and clothing and transportation is money that's going to be treasures in heaven. And, as I said earlier, by giving to the church and to missionaries and to church plants, by doing that, you're also increasing your treasure in heaven. But all this depends upon not falling for the lie, extremely dangerous lie that your life consists in the abundance of your possessions. It does not. Don't waste your hard earned money on joys that will be very small and very temporary. Invest your hard earned money, Jesus word, God word for advancing the gospel, piling up treasures in heaven, because that will bring you more joy in Jesus now and forever that's what he's calling us to do let me pray about that then we will move into communion Lord I pray that you would open our hearts wide to this word it's convicting it's encouraging it's challenging for sure and Lord you will help us you'll help us and so would you take this word now and work it deep into our hearts